Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Innocence Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Ray Bergman, and the title of today's show is Integrity versus Hypocrites and Mockers. Before I get started, I just want to say that I hope all of you had a wonderful Christmas and you have all had the time to reflect on what you're thankful for. You know, 2021 was a rocky year, but 2022, I have a feeling, is going to be even more interesting. But if we have integrity and the Lord's will in our lives, we will prevail through this with guidance. Now, this is going to be a fairly long podcast, and feel free to take notes, as there is a lot of scripture packed into it. I'm going to primarily use the New King James Version today, and some verses from the New Living Translation, but as always, feel free to reference any and all verses in whichever translation of the word works best in helping you to understand. All right, so let's get to it. What do we understand integrity as? Integrity is the practice of being honest and showing a consistent and uncompromising adherence to strong moral and ethical principles and values. In ethics, integrity is regarded as the honesty and truthfulness or the accuracy of one's actions. Integrity can stand in opposition to hypocrisy. The standards of integrity involve regarding internal consistency and suggest that parties holding within themselves conflicting values should account for the discrepancy or alter their beliefs. The word integrity evolved from the Latin adjective integer, meaning whole or complete. Integrity is the inner sense of wholeness deriving from qualities such as honesty and consistency of character. As such, one may judge that others have integrity to the extent that they act according to their values, beliefs, and principles that they claim to hold. Now, when we look at it in biblical terms, integrity carries the meaning of simplicity, sincerity of heart, intention, truthfulness, and uprightness, doing that which is honorable before God. Its equivalents may be seen in sincerity, truth, the pure heart, the single eye, and so on and so forth. You know, to put it simply, it's the definition of righteousness. Integrity is equivalent to being honest, sincere, genuine, and is fundamental to one's true character. And without it, you really don't even have an identity. Integrity is mentioned in many occasions throughout the word. For example, Proverbs 11 verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. And folks, I want you to keep that verse in mind for later, but going on. Proverbs 12 verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Proverbs 19 verse 1. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity, than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Proverbs 28 verse 6. Better is the poor who walks in integrity, than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Proverbs 21 verse 3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 21. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. That means that the integrity that you have should be an example to everyone around you, and everyone would be wise to see that and practice the same. Hebrews 13 verse 18, Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Luke chapter 6 verse 31, which this can also be found in Matthew chapter 7 verse 12, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. 
Psalm 41, verses 11 through 12. By this I know that you are well pleased with me, because my enemy does not triumph over me. That's doing the right thing, so the devil cannot devour you. You Psalm 41, verse 12. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity, and set me before your face forever. And Philippians 4, verse 8, you guys have heard this many times. I've quoted Philippians 4, verse 8 many times. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In other words, that's what you should be doing. You know, when the word says meditate on these things that are praiseworthy, it means that which holds the value of integrity. That's the right ways of conducting yourself, the right ways of living. You know, for not doing so is the opposite of what the word teaches. If you're not living in integrity, you're sinning. You're not doing what's right. And James chapter 4 verse 17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. Isaiah 26 verse 7 But for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right, and you smooth out the path ahead of them. That is, those who are living right, God smooths out the path before them, so they don't stumble and fall. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17 Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what he wants you to do. I'm going to read to you guys a sermon from Sermon Central called Integrity on a Bus by Curry Pickard. One Sunday, a pastor preached a sermon on honesty. Monday morning, he took the bus to get to his office. He paid the fare, and the bus driver gave him back too much change. During the rest of the journey, the pastor was rationalizing how God had provided him with some extra money he needed for the week. But he just could not live with himself. So before he got off the bus, he proceeded to give back the extra money and said to the driver, You have made a mistake. You've given me too much change. The driver smiled and said, There was no mistake. I was at your church yesterday and heard you preach on honesty. So I decided to put you to the test this morning. We call that integrity. It's what God calls for in his third commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The bus driver tested the pastor to see if he held the integrity, to see if he practiced what he preaches, to see if he would keep the change or give it back in honesty, to do the right thing. You know, there's been times where I've gone to the store to pick up a few things, and I'm not sure if the cashier got something. And then I'll ask if they scan the item, if I happen to be, you know, pulling out my card to pay and didn't, wasn't looking, if I didn't notice them scan it. And, you know, how many folks actually think about doing that? How many folks do do that? Or do they stay silent, leave, and then say to themselves, woohoo, I got a freebie, not understanding that the clerk is going to be held accountable for every transaction conducted during their shift and possibly be reprimanded when it comes up short? You know, some might say, well, that's too bad for them. You know, there's no integrity in that. You know, honesty, like I was just reading when I was quoting the integrity on a bus, is just one example of many when it comes to having an integrity. You know, folks, when I say my prayers, Psalm 22 is one I like to decree often. And I'll explain why in a moment, but let's go, I'm going to go ahead and read that to you. You know, Psalm 22, starting on verse 1, Declare me innocent, O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. 
Test my motives and my heart, for I am always aware of your unfailing love, and I have lived according to your truth. I do not spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil, and I refuse to join in with the wicked. I wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord, singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. Don't let me suffer the fate of sinners. Don't condemn me along with murderers. Their hands are dirty with evil schemes, and they constantly take bribes. But I am not like that. I live with integrity. And I'm putting emphasis on that since I'm talking about it. But I am not like that. I live with integrity. So redeem me and show me mercy. Now I stand on solid ground, and I will publicly praise the Lord. That's a very good psalm to quote, because it keeps you in check, and it reminds you that the Lord is constantly watching what you do. And not only watching what you do, but that he will test your heart. That's what verses 2 through 3 speak of when it says, Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. For I am always aware of your unfailing love, and I have lived according to your truth. If you're practicing his truth and you're aware of his unfailing love, he's going to reward you for doing what's right. You know, he's going to smooth out your path. Living according to his truth is integrity, and the Lord upholds the righteous, just like I quoted a moment ago from Psalm 41, verse 12, where it says, You uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. Now, having made the point on integrity, let's get into some examples that are the opposition to integrity. Hypocrisy is one of them. Now, what is a hypocrite? What is the true definition of a hypocrite? Well, in short, it is the adulteration and perversity of the Lord's word where it comes to righteousness. Remember when I said to keep the verse from Proverbs 11 verse 3 in mind? I was specifically referring to the part of it that says, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. That verse is important to understand because a hypocrite is defined as a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religion, or they're known as someone who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. You know, in other words, they say one thing, to look good, but then they do another and their actions are not as they seem, though they'll talk a great talk and virtue signal, and they usually, and almost always, selectively walk the walk. They only do it if it suits them. You know, this is why Jesus said to know them by their fruits in Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And you know, while those verses apply to false prophets, that is, you know, those who run around telling people what their itching ears want to hear while leading them astray, those verses also apply, whether you know it or not, to everyday Christians who are not living for the Lord and think they do no wrong. You know, someone like that usually has a borderline narcissistic trait. They will not accept sound doctrine because they have a twisted belief that because they are saved, they can do whatever they want or they'll say whatever they want and don't have to do anything but tell people what they want to hear. They really don't care about the well-being of others, though they'll act like it. They, you know, they put on a good show. You know, their actions are contrary to what they say you know, but they're only fooling themselves. First Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. 
And unfortunately, some think that that's okay. They don't understand that concept of, you know, the word when it says don't use your freedom as an excuse to sin. It's one thing to say something and another to actually do it. They too fit in with the mockers and scoffers because they have no integrity. You know, in essence, a hypocrite can be known as someone who lives a life in a lie contrary to what the word teaches. You know, they'll play the part and say ridiculous things such as be blessed and then do nothing for someone in need. You know, they'll tell that person what they want to hear or make it sound nice, but they're able to do something and then they don't act on it, even though they know that person is in need or they're in lack. You know, I've seen that. Or they may even offer to do something for someone and then just quietly back out thinking that somehow God doesn't see it. You know, when we take a look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 5 through 7, this point is laid out perfectly. Starting on verse 5, it's better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Don't let your mouth make you sin. And don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise you made was a mistake. That would make God angry, and he might wipe out everything you have achieved. Talk is cheap, like daydreams and other useless activities. Fear God instead. And, you know, speaking of which, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus taught us about oaths and vows. Specifically in verse 37, Jesus said, Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. You know, some of you may know that from the King James Version, where it says, let your yeas be yeas, and your nays be nays. If you're doing the opposite of that, and you're doing the opposite of what God's word decrees, he does see it, and it will be recompensed in due time. And that message is for someone listening to this. God does not favor liars. And when you make a false commitment or a promise to someone, you are doing it in the presence of God and lying to him if you don't keep your word. Lying is deceiving, and they go hand in hand, let me just tell you. And remember what the Lord said about lying lips in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, which I just quoted a moment ago. The Lord says, this is to the person who is doing that, you know who you are and that you're in sin. Not only that, you have an element of pride and you think you haven't done anything wrong. You need to repent. You know, folks, this is a serious message because the book of Job states in chapter 34, verses 21 through 22, for God watches how people lives. He sees everything they do. No darkness is thick enough to hide the wicked from his eyes. You know, God's not going to be mocked, folks. And that brings us to our next definition. You know, since I mentioned that word mocking, what about mockers and scoffers? Well, the terms go hand in hand with one another, just like hypocrisy is a fancier word for liar. A mocker is someone who ridicules or makes fun. A scoffer, in biblical terms, is someone who is arrogant or they have a sense of pride and makes fun or light of God's word. Or they make light or fun of God's people and his apostles and prophets he has set forth to warn the sheep. Simply put, it's those who are in unbelief. You know, they think that those who actually live by the words are foolish, not realizing they themselves are the fools. That's how blinded they are. You know, you spot them when they laugh at others or point the finger and try to take the focus off themselves to avoid any type of conviction of their sin. You know, it can be Christians even who are prideful and they don't think that they're doing anything wrong. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. Remember that 1 John 1, verses 8 through 10 say, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, you know, him being God, 
a liar, and his word is not in us. Jesus also referenced the darkness in someone who could not see when he was referring to the body being the lamp in Matthew chapter 6, verse 23, where he said, If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And, you know, I talked about that, you know, in the Spiritual Blindness podcast I did not too long ago. So now why did I just go over the definitions for hypocrites, mockers, and scoffers? Well, it's quite simple. All of these traits have one thing in common, a lack of integrity. You know, to sum it up, when you cheat, chastise, disrespect, and lie to others as much as you lie to yourself and call God a liar, you lack integrity. You don't know how to do the right thing because you don't even notice a speck in your own eye. But it's okay to deflect and point out what everyone else does. There are a lot of people out there doing that. Everyone would do well to look at themselves in the mirror and remember to know who they are when they walk away if they claim to be a Christian. All of this falls under being a doer and not a hearer. A person with integrity, not a hypocrite, a mocker, or a scoffer. I have quoted James 1, verses 21 through 26, many times. And so for the record, so nobody can say they weren't told, let's review these verses once again. Starting on verse 21, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. I know a lot of people who say they're believers, but they curse like sailors. I mean, I have heard F-bombs, I hear the S-bombs, I hear it all. And I have told, and they ask me, well, how don't you curse? How, do you, how come you never curse? I'm like, because I'm a son of God, and I live in peace, and I don't talk that way. I don't set my mind on things like that. I don't listen to music with those words. I don't watch movies with those words. I went through a phase in my uh, 20s, and I realized it on my own. I'm like, wow. And I worked in customer service at a hotel at the time. And you better believe, working in a job like that, you better have your mouth under control. You should have your mouth under control anyway. It's not appropriate. You know, a lot of young people, that's the problem in this age. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, you should not say certain words. And really, you know, if you think about it, why have a potty mouth? There's plenty of other substitute words you can use when you talk. But then there's those who, you know, they don't think there's anything wrong with it. And that's part of the unbelief. They don't think that there's any consequences for the words. And that's part of the mocking and scoffing. It's the unbelief that God's word says what it says. I want to read you guys a message that Glinda Lomax had reposted recently. She reposted this on December 19th, 2021. But this was initially released on Tuesday, May 16th. 2017, and the title of the message is Scoffing Will Increase. And I felt it was appropriate to share since I'm already talking on that subject. Scoffing will begin to increase noticeably now, my children. Though there have always been mockers and scoffers in the earth, the increase of darkness in the hearts of men will bring also an increase in scoffing and in persecution now. What Glenda's message is saying here, just this first part, that's nothing we haven't really already been seeing. We've been seeing an increase in that over the last 
year, year and a half, I've, t- I've talked about that, how persecution would begin. And I talked about the forbearance for that reason. Um, the mockers and the scoffers, those are essentially the unbelieving. They're the ones who don't believe what God's word says, or it's just the plain up unbelieving who don't even accept Christ as their savior. The increase of darkness in the hearts of men will also bring an increase in scoffing and in persecution. That means the darkness that's already in them is going to increase. So people have been given, there's a line being drawn and people have been given a choice. They're going to continue to pick up their cross and follow after Jesus, or they're going to drift away and venture into dark things, which means that they're going to treat others really poorly. And what it's saying is, Despite these things, we are to endure. When we go to the second paragraph, it says, Now until the end, persecution will be very prevalent in your world. This will cause many of my people to remain silent in an effort to protect themselves. But I tell you now, my children, there is no place to hide from what's coming. There is no place you can hide from persecution except in me. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you will be protected from more than in any other way. That means we can't be running to our own devices when people hurt us. You know, I've had to do this personally. Whenever I'm attacked by, whether it's my immediate family or, you know, when I was in the wilderness and I was losing my friends, you know, I cried out to the Lord constantly, you know. I, though I have ran to earthly comforts before, that's not always the answer. We're to be looking to him regardless. There's people out there who say, oh, I don't know, and, Well, we'll see. I think we have another few years. We don't have another few years. I'm not going to keep saying this. We do not have another few years. So that can be taken negatively. I'm stating it like it is. I know what the word says about the end days. That is a form of mockery. That is a form of scoffing because it's the unbelief. That's why it says there is no place to hide from what is coming. There is no place that you can hide from persecution except in me. The Lord wants you to draw near to him. He wants all of us to be drawing near to him. If you abide in me, my my word abides in you, which means you trust him because you believe his word. And I've talked about people who really believe his word. Then you will be protected from more than any other way. If we're not abiding in him and we're constantly chasing earthly comforts, that's only dragging our attention and time away from him. So very important. Paragraph number two that you remain in him. And I've posted messages on this as well, so it's an important part to remember. Paragraph number three. Do not let the opinions of men or the threat of persecution make you fearful, or fear will rule your heart and your mind. There's a lot of that going on right now with this jab going on. Everyone's looking to the world because they're still clinging for that normal. You know, they're thinking they're going to go back to normal. There was a Trump rally in Houston a few weeks ago. And, you know, I'm not dogging conservatives, I'm a conservative, but, you know, really, they've all destroyed my trust, and I don't trust any of them anymore. You know, everyone's welcome to have their own opinion or do what they want, but as for me, I'm never going to vote again. My trust is in Jesus, not a politician. But politics aside, it doesn't matter. This is part of the point I'm trying to make. People are still thinking that there's some sort of election or some sort of political figure that's going to come in and do something about everything that's going on. The reality is we're very close to the Antichrist coming onto the scene, and people need to realize that. (laughs) You know, speaking of the rally, where there were, what, 
50, 60,000 people. Can you imagine how different that would be if there were 50, 60,000 people realizing their need for Jesus right now? They'll identify and say, oh, the Lord's coming soon, but I'm still going to go to a Trump rally because I still believe in, with most of my heart that there's a political solution to this. I want my, I want my normal back. And again, like I, and I, I posted a comment on this the other day. You can't blame them. They're well-meaning people. But at the end of the day, that's not going to happen. People know deep down in their heart there is something very wrong, but they're looking in the wrong direction. And they're looking in the wrong direction because they are fearful of what they see this current administration doing. They know something is very, very wrong. And things are about to get even worse. Um, there's no way to sugarcoat that. You know, I'm going to tell it like it is. So let's start. Let's read that again. Do not let the opinions of men. That's what I was just talking about. I think everything's going to be fine politically or the threat of persecute. And it's also the opinions of men where it comes to the vaccine or the threat of persecution make you fearful or fear will rule your heart and your mind. You're going to be fearful of what, what they're going to do and what they're going to say. And, oh, do they like me? Do they not like me? If we're getting caught up in those negative feelings constantly, we can't move forward. Any negative emotion you allow now will take root and increase as the increase of what is in your heart has already been ordained. That's what I just explained a little bit ago. You must guard your heart more diligently than ever before, for your enemy also knows this. He has been tempting men since the foundations of the world, but now he will increase his temptations, and you must cast down every wicked thought as it comes to resist them. Be vigilant, my people. That means keep watch, because our redemption draweth nigh. Jesus told us not to be found sleeping in the late hour, and it is a very, very late hour. There is a lot of baiting going on right now. You know, I've seen it. I've had to contend with it. I've had to pray about it. And I've had to deal with it. It's part of the reason why this podcast has been delayed. But you need to make sure that you're not letting wickedness take root in your heart where you're going to treat others in a very bad way. Because then that's going to fall back on you. You'll get the blowback. The same rules apply as they always have. Recompense comes swiftly when we treat others in the wrong way. Take a sip of my coffee here. Be vigilant, my people. That means stand watch. So let's break this down where it comes to scripture. Now, in this particular message, Glenda posted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, not believing his word, or being in defiance, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They aren't going to appreciate those around them, even though those around them give them things willingly all the time. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They'll say they love you, but they don't. Not helping others where it's needed, not doing, not living, you know, with integrity. They'll get upset and resentful and they won't be forgiving. Well, I'm just going to sit here and pout because I don't like the way that, per what that person said. And I said in the last podcast I did, we're not supposed to be fighting over words. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. Well, it's that person's fault. Therefore. I'm not going to have anything to do with them. 
and love pleasure rather than God. They're going to seek their earthly comforts. They will act religious. I'm a believer. Amen, brother. Oh, oh, things are getting bad. Oh, well, I'm mad at God then. And for that matter, I'm mad at you too. But they will reject that power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, do we all go through negative emotions? Yes. We all have opinions, especially when we're hurt. However, we need to remain vigilant and guard our hearts, like the message said, so that we are not falling into the devil's hands. Because that's exactly what the enemy is going to try to do. Cause confusion, cause divisions, indifference, whatever you want to call it. There'll be situations created or happening where it'll look like someone's doing something wrong to you, but they're really not. It's just the way you're reading it. So, you know, going on in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 8, um, start, you know, going on in verse 6. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women, and it doesn't have to just be women, who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. You know, that would be someone who wants to keep going by the law. They don't understand the mystery of Jesus Christ. They, they think that no matter what they do, they're not forgiven. And so they're vulnerable. They make themselves vulnerable. You know, these teachers oppose the truth just like Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. That means they don't believe really in what they're saying. They don't do what they're supposed to do. And because they don't believe or they're teaching a false doctrine, they're giving people the wrong kinds of testimonies. You know, false prophets are a good example. Running around telling people, oh, Trump's going to come back. Everything's going to be fine. When we know that's not the truth. So we need to keep these things in mind that we don't fall into that category. Now, Glenda also mentioned 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 10, and I'm going to read from that and break it down. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We need to be relating to one another. We need to not becoming proud. We're supposed to humble ourselves because if we humble ourselves before the Lord and we're abiding in him, he's going to give us the ability to get over these things. And so going on in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. That means endure and wait patiently for him. You know, one time I was upset. I remember it was back in July. It's actually been a few times and you know, I was crying out, and the Lord said, God blesses those. And you have to remember, Matthew 5, anytime that you're being persecuted or scoffed or you feel something's unfair, remember Matthew 5. Blessed is he who waits on the name of the Lord. You know, Isaiah 30, 18. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is faithful. Blessed are those who wait for his help. So, when you look at that verse from 1 Peter 5, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will exalt you. He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. I don't think anybody even really understands how much I pray, and I have to wait. I wait and wait and wait and wait and wait all the time. Sometimes I get to the point, I'm like, you know what? Everybody else can wait, because I wait constantly. You know, that's just the season we're in right now. Things taking longer than they have. We've talked about this before. Things taking longer than they're supposed to. Things, uh, you know, people acting unreasonable because they're not in agreement. 
And I don't even want to imagine what it's going to be like when things start hitting the fan. But here is the key. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. That's what I was just saying earlier about the baiting. you got to be careful not to fall into that. If you read something wrong, the best recipe is, and I've done this before, even with other things, even when I used to be in the regular work world, I used to step away. If I was reading something wrong or if I was offended by something, I'd step away. I'd step away and go do something else. I'd be like, well, whatever. They can think whatever they want. I'm going to go take care of me until I calm down and then I come back to it. And then I'll think, well, you know what? Wow. I was looking at that the wrong way. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> you know, it happens to all of us. But, you know, verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, stand firm against the devil. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. There have been many times in my walk since I've gone into ministry where I have suffered, and I have to wait on the Lord. That's what I read from Isaiah thirty eighteen earlier. You know, I'll read it again. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. We also have to remember Hebrews 12, which this wasn't part of the message, but Hebrews 12, verses 15 through 17. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God that is being exalted when you wait patiently. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. That is, you don't want to fall for the devil's traps. You don't want to become corrupted just because somebody treated you horribly. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know, don't love the comforts of this world. Don't become immoral just because everybody else does. Continue to treat people as you would want to be treated. There's going to be hurts. There's going to be persecutions. We know that. But we need to find a way to talk constructively and reason with one another. We can't be getting caught up in, well, I don't agree with this, what this person says, and I don't agree with that person says, so I'm going to sit here and, well, they're not going to get my affection. I'm going to do whatever I want. Hm. That is not the way forward. And you're going to find out real quick that the blowback will come back on you when you act that way. And I know because I've been there. You know, verse 17, you know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. In this season, we need to be careful that we are guarding our hearts, just like that message said, and we are not getting off on the wrong foot. We need to consider our ways. Haggai chapter 1 speaks of building God's house. Are we not his temple? Are we not his house? Why are we of so little integrity if we say we belong to him? Why do we cheat him and think he doesn't see? Do we not believe his word in Job 31 verse 4, where it says, Does he not see my ways and count all my steps? Or what about Proverbs chapter 5 verse 21, where it says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. If that still doesn't make sense, perhaps Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 will drive it home, where the word says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know, 
the Lord smooths out a path. And I talked about this earlier. The Lord smooths out a path for the righteous because they live with integrity. And you might remember that earlier. I quoted Isaiah chapter 26, verse 7. They are the true believers and doers of the word. I want you to take a moment to reflect on the last part of the verse in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 7, where it says, You are a God who does what is right, and you smooth out the path ahead of the righteous. Many are going down a path they may think is righteous, but it really isn't. And those who are blinded by their hypocrisy and think it's okay to mock and scoff at the things of God, or those he has chosen and sent to give his messages, you know, they're on a very crooked path leading to their own demise. I want to share a dream with you all that I had on the morning of December 17th, just before I awoke for the day. And I posted this on my blog at the time, which some of you may have seen, but I feel given the topic of this episode, it is fitting to share here as well. Now, I've prayed on this to get additional as to what the Lord is trying to show me, but the title of the dream, as I named it on my blog, is titled The Slanted Roadway. And in this dream, I was riding in a car on the highway. I can't be sure where I was, you know, everything was unfamiliar, but perhaps that's not important because it could have been anywhere to convey a message. And at first, things seemed normal. It was a beautiful sunny morning, then things began to change. There were overcast skies a moment later, and as I looked ahead, it appeared we were on a highway, and the road appeared to be slanted at a 40-degree angle. And in this way, you wouldn't think that travel would be possible due to the incline and the leaning of the roadway. And it was going up and up in elevation as the ride progressed forward. And there was an overpass or a bridge, but I can't be sure. And there were cars disappearing over the horizon as they got to the top. And I was with somebody. And I think it might have been my dad. It wouldn't be the first time that um, the Lord's used others in my life that I've known, whether it be coworkers or family. And it doesn't mean they're all on the wrong path. It's just for a purpose of illustrating, you know, something that might be familiar versus what is unfamiliar. And I recall thinking to myself, something isn't right, we need to get off this road, and I believe I even said it. But they seemed to be cheery and oblivious that anything was wrong. And meanwhile, I saw a red minivan packed with kids and a man, which I presumed to be their dad, driving it. The kids and their dad alike were waving and smiling as they sped past. I thought, wow, you know, they're going pretty fast. Where are they hurrying to? And they acted like they couldn't tell as though something wasn't right. And another thing I noticed is that most highways have secondary parts going in the opposite direction. But this one didn't. It was three lanes, all one way, going toward the steep and crooked incline. There were exits, but nobody was getting off, even though the danger was clear as day. And I remember looking to my right, and the van with the kids had disappeared. As we approached the incline, I recall shutting my eyes, and the road at some point did end, because I remember feeling suspended in the air like I was caught. I knew in my dream that the Lord had caught me because I belonged to him. That was it, and I woke up. So, what are my thoughts on this in the immediate? Well, it would seem everyone is being dragged along for a ride on this earth. Even though some of us know something is very wrong, many are still going right along with it marching to their demise, while attempting to drag us along with them. And as to what was signified by car speeding on a crooked roadway and going over the edge, I believe where everyone ends up even after this journey is going to depend on their salvation, that is, their relationship with the Lord. 
We may not be able to escape what is coming upon the earth, although I do believe some of us will, but we can prepare our spirits and our soul for eternal salvation in Jesus Christ and change the outcome, even if everyone else is attempting to drag us along with them over the cliff and not realizing what time it is. You know, that's that lateness of the hour. You'll note that at the end, I was caught, and I was also not panicked in this dream because I knew immediately when that vehicle approached the edge of that roadway that I did not die. The Lord had me securely in the palm of his hand. I went on living and was safe. At least eternally, I went on living. I knew this in that moment, and I felt safe that I was in the presence of the Most High God. So it does not matter what everyone else is doing and what is going on around us. We need to be focusing on Jesus and trusting in him, regardless of anything, and doing his will. You know, in this volatile season, it's not the time to be playing around. Now, on Christmas Eve, I was just trying to relax and watch some Christmas movies with my family. And I was getting this feeling in the spirit that something was very wrong, like something was imminent or something was near. It was a feeling of restlessness. That's the best way I can explain it. And at first, I wasn't sure if it was an attack trying to disturb my peace, but when I attempted to cancel it, the restlessness would not stop. I began interceding silently for the lost as I was sitting there. And I already prayed for the lost, but this was different because the Holy Spirit was leading me to do it. I received a pulling in my spirit like an urgency. It was like I was overridden. I started to tear up and I couldn't just run away to close quarters because, you know, that would have looked strange to my family. Thankfully, the movie was nearly over. And I felt like what was being revealed to me was war. Now, in what context, I wasn't sure, but I texted a few people, um, Glinda being one of them, to ask if she too was getting a heaviness in the spirit, and she said that she had been feeling something was off for an entire week. And I was reminded by a mutual friend of ours about an October 2016 message she put out on YouTube concerning war, which I would like to play. And I'm not going to play the entire clip here. You can go view it on YouTube in its entirety, but I felt it was pertinent based on what I was feeling and what the Lord was about to tell me, which I'll talk about after I play this. But here's the clip. I am extremely concerned about the tensions between the U.S. and Russia. We are on the brink of war. I don't know any other way to put it to you. And the Lord has laid a message on my heart about this and some things to tell you. So... And some of it has to do with the nuclear attack vision that I had back in December 2008. So I went back, combing back through my journals, and I have probably 60 or 80 of these journals filled from 1997, going through them, trying to find, you know, where I had the vision. I can't find it. But the good thing about visions is the details are clearly etched on your spirit, so you can always recall. I just wanted to see if I'd made any other comments in there. And I thought I saw it at one point. Uh, and then I lost it. So anyway, here's what's going on. In Y'all remember that I had the famine visions. I had two or three famine visions around the same time. Well, I found those in the journal. And I had written down something that I had forgotten when I had the visions. I wrote down, I think this is connected to a nuclear attack because of the way the vision felt and things that I saw in the vision, I felt that it was the, the famine was because we had been attacked with nuclear missiles. So that's one thing I want to share with you. I had the famine visions 
and the nuclear attack vision very close together. I, they were within the same month. They might have been in the same two-week period. I can't remember. That was one of the things I wanted to look at. And I'll keep looking at those. Okay. With the nuclear attack vision, I was shown that we had no warning. There was no warning. But this morning, I was shown why we have no warning. I was, I've been praying about this for days, y'all, just, I mean, just incessantly, nonstop, Lord, please show me more, please show me more. I can't warn your people if I don't know what's coming. The Russians and or Chinese, because China is, gonna, is going to attack us too, eventually. Um, or we're going to attack them, I'm not sure. They have the knowledge and the capability to turn off our communication system before they attack us. They will do this because by turning off our communication system, we're delayed in or disabled from attacking them back. Uh, I mean, if you were going to start a nuclear war, that would be the way to do it. Destroy the other guy, but make it so he can't destroy you back. I was shown this very clearly yesterday, that they not only know how to do it, but it's, this is their plan. They know how to do it already. Y'all know all the hacking stuff and all the different stuff that's gone on. They have the knowledge to do this. I want to hit pause here and say one thing. Um, if y'all noticed, we've had a lot of instances of there being outages on the web or services not working correctly. They're running very poorly. People's service, cell phone service, internet has gone down. It's my contention that they're already working on doing this. And so, you know, this isn't to be taken lightly. Though this message came out in 2016, everything that's being revealed here, it, they've already been testing taking down parts of the web. And some people might be laughing at that and go, ah, oh, that's not going on. Oh, the, well, you know, that's not. We have never had as many outages as we have this year. I mean, again, you know, there goes that scoffing, the ha ha ha, it's not happening, or oh, I don't see it, so therefore, or it's not affecting me, so it doesn't exist. I don't know what to tell you if that's your mindset. You know, I just got done going through all of that, and I'm not even done. This is, we're, this is just part of, you know, everything in the message today. So, and that doesn't even address power grids going down in other countries, just suddenly going down in the Middle East, Mexico, um, you know, things like that. But, you know, moving on with the clip, I just wanted to throw that in there. In the missile vision, where I saw that I saw the skyscraper and I saw the party going on inside and and then I was taken back from the building and I looked up at the nighttime sky and I saw a missile coming straight forward the skyscraper. And I was like, they don't even know this is coming. They have no idea that there's a missile heading for them right now. The missile vision, the party going on inside, felt like a, ho a holiday party. It felt like a holiday party. I remember that. I thought it was at, around the holidays, sometime around the holidays, November, December. It felt like a holiday party. And that always stayed with me. And it, around the holidays ever since, I'll be like, you know, is this the year? The other thing, and I this was confirmed to me yesterday morning when I was praying about it, we will be attacked at night. That vision, part of what it was supposed to show me was we will be attacked at night. We will not see it coming. We will not get any, we won't be sitting watching the 10 o'clock news and get, hey, Russia's firing on us, there's nukes coming our way. No, we will get nothing. We will get no warning because they're going to shut our comms down where no one is warned. 
no one knows what's coming and we can't fight back okay now this means that most likely one of these nights it could be tonight it could be tomorrow night it could be next month we don't know when it's coming but we do know it is coming it is coming we're gonna go to bed and a lot of us are not gonna wake up the next morning on earth okay now this is the message that the Lord gave me to give to you live today like it's your last day live tomorrow like it's your last day if you knew that you were going to go to bed tonight and you were never going to wake up and see the people you love again or hear from them or anything else what would you do today what would you say to them today that's what he wants you to do any wrongs that you have done against another person do your best to make them right anyone who is offended at you this is why satan doesn't want you to have this message y'all Anyone who is offended at you, try to make it right. Even if you have to apologize for something you're not guilty of. It does not matter. Do you hear me? It does not matter. We are Christians. We are children of the King. We are expected to behave in particular ways. We have to raise up to a higher standard than other people. It took me a long time to figure that out. Uh, I was just a slow learner. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, don't let it go down. Tonight, tomorrow night, every night, you do not let that sun go down and you be angry at somebody or somebody be angry at you. You make it right. Because if someone is offended at you and you don't make it right, they may die in unforgiveness and be kept out of heaven because of something that is partially your fault and you will have to answer for that. And some people have been shown that you're not allowed into heaven either if you do that. I don't know. God has not told me that. But I'm just saying, make it right. Okay? Whatever you are going to do for God, do it now. Don't wait. Do it now. Okay? Y'all listen to me on this. Please listen to me. Tell the people that you love that you love them. Because you may not get another chance. They may be the people that don't wake up the next day, or you may be among the people that don't wake up the next day. We can't be taking chances anymore. we got to do this now. Y'all, we've talked about this for years, the stuff that's coming. We have talked about the destruction that's coming for years. We are facing it. We are staring death in the face. Russia hates us. They think we're a bunch of idiots, which our government, you know, our president is an idiot. Um, and when you have an idiot run in the White House, this is what happens. And part of the way that God judges wicked nations is he gives them evil leaders or he puts idiots over them. Read the Bible. It's in there. Remember the one guy that, that uh, who was it, Hezekiah, that ate grass for seven years? He turned into an idiot. And it, his kingdom was taken from him. I'm just saying, it's in the Bible. It's all in there. And people, you know, I know there are people that say, oh, God would never allow America to be attacked. We have already been attacked. We were attacked on 911 by whoever. I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know who orchestrated all that. But we have already been attacked. We are being attacked in other places. Our ships were fired on, whatever. God allowed his own temple, his beloved city of Jerusalem, to be destroyed because his people turned from him. They turned, and he sent many, many warnings to the people trying to get them to repent and telling him that he, and telling that, that they were this was going to happen, that he was going to do this. If he will not spare his own temple, he will not spare his own city of Jerusalem, 
he is not going to spare America who's going the other way from him as fast as she can. Okay, y'all know I just released a book called No Longer Mine, which is just a collection of all the words to America in chronological order. Nicole wrote some, uh, composed some original music for my little ad that I play on my podcast about that book. When she sat down and started composing the music, what she does is she plays the ad wording that I have. When she started composing the music, she had a vision that left her weeping. She said grief hit her spirit so hard. And she saw a vision of the Statue of Liberty. And it was all covered with debris and dirt and seaweed. And it was all leaning over in the water. And she was just devastated. She contacted me right away and she said, I don't know what's going on, but... And of course, we know it's a sign of what's coming. But God was sharing his grief with her and what is coming. It breaks his heart to have to condemn someone. He breaks his heart. Hit and pause for just a second. I want you all to note his grief, the Lord's grief, and what he feels for others. Because what I was just talking about with what I was getting on Christmas Eve, that's exactly what I was feeling, where there was concern for the lost in my spirit that was risen up in, within me to start interceding. That is the Lord's grief that time is running out and there are still too many people playing. This is not a joke, folks. Take what Glinda is saying here seriously. It does not matter how old this message is or that it hasn't happened yet. We don't know when it will happen. But take this message seriously. I'm going to get more to that in a, in a second um, with what the Lord revealed to me after I had listened to this on Christmas Eve. Be kind to other people. You don't know when the last time is you're going to see them. Live every day like it's your last. Live today like today's your last day, okay? What would you do? What, what, you know, if I, every time I think about, okay, what would I do today if today was my last day? The first thing I think of is tell the people I love that I love them. Don't stay bitter and offended and don't allow other people to stay offended at you. Do whatever you have to do to make that right. Do everything you can do. Y'all, I just came through what I call the, the forgiveness cycle. And God's taken me through this more than once because I used to have a real bad anger problem where he just starts telling me the names of people. I want you to apologize to them. And I'm like, Lord, what do I say? And he gives me the words to say. And in a lot of the cases, and especially the first time that this happened, I was like, Lord, they did something to me. I and he's like, no, you apologize. I'm like, okay. And I, and I just did what he said. And a lot of the people that you know I hadn't done anything to, or I had, they didn't respond. They didn't want anything to do with me. Okay, that that's sad and that's not a good thing, but I did what I was supposed to do. You clean up your side of the street. You keep your side of the street clean, and you need to do it every day. This is important, y'all. We're fixing to be standing before that judgment seat. We're going to stand before him, and we're going to answer for what we didn't do as much as what we did do. This is the message that he's giving me to give you right now. Make the wrongs right and start living every day as if it's your last. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, this is really important. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. There is a reason that is in the Bible. It's not just good advice. It's his word. To quote that verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Just wanted to throw that in there. Moving on. I asked my friend who's retired military, spent many years in the military doing intel. I said, 
there has to be a reason why they're going to attack us at night. And he said, there is, you know. We're least ready at night. Uh, the troops are usually relaxing. They've already spent their energy during the day. And the fact that if, they, if we get hit with something nuclear that shuts all the power down, then they're looking at the prospect of, oh, we've got to go out in the dark now and handle all this. And not that they're not big, strong men. They are. But a lot of them are young men, y'all. They're young. They're not seasoned veterans. Most of our seasoned veterans are, are dying off. Hitting pause one more time. One more little tidbit of information I want to insert here. I don't know if any of you have seen it lately, but there's been articles going around on the web that the military is being purged. It started with the whole LGBT, um, all that going on. But now it's going on with those who will not take the experimental shot. Um, even as much as the flip-flopping is going on with the CDC and the WHO and everything else, they're still requiring troops to take this jab. And you can't help but feel that this is a deliberate weakening. And also, it's interesting, they're rejecting religious exemptions, all religious exemptions. So we're clearly being weakened from within in one way or another. All the while, removing and making a mockery out of everything that is of God. And that does not bode well when you have somebody who is poking the Russian bear right in the eye and capitulating. Can you say that our best interests are not at hand? But like Glinda said earlier in the clip, when a nation is given over to judgment, evil leaders are put into power to carry through their wicked agendas. And this is just another brick in the wall, folks. So just so you understand, there is merit to what is being shared here in this message. I wanted to put that in there because, you know, because this message was released in 2016, and here we are on December 31st, 2021, and that's where we are. You know, another interesting thing, the whole situation with Ukraine seems to have died down on the surface, but we still have our guest-in-chief making all sorts of threats to Russia. And, you know, you got to sit there and think they're probably laughing. Because like Linda said, they look at us like we're idiots. And truth is, we deserve what we get. Because it's been allowed in a lot of ways. You know, this nation has been given ample time to turn away from its sin. And it still refuses to do so. People want to mock. They want to scoff. They want to be hypocrites. They want to treat others like dirt. Even Christians within the church are doing it. You know, this is all coming home to roost, folks. That's the purpose of this podcast today. But moving on in the clip. So it's demoralizing. Um, he also said, and, and I'd already seen in the spirit that yesterday when I was praying about this, that when this happens, that other attacks will rise up from within the U.S. And I was like, what is that about? He said... Um, that there will be other operatives that they have already in place that will at that time rise up and start to take control, which is what they're after, is to take control of the land and the people. And he said they'll come out of the woodwork to do their missions, which will be to implement control as fast as they can while everybody is in chaos. Pause again. Open borders, anyone? And 
should it not surprise you that it's about control because the COVID narrative is beginning to slip. And by the way, this isn't just happening in the United States. The United States is not the only country with open borders. They've been bringing people over from China on exchange programs and allowing people, there have been people caught from the Middle East coming up through the southern border. Same thing is happening in the UK. It's happening throughout parts of Europe, Germany, France. You have to have a passport. You're a dirty little slave that might spread Omicron, which has come out that's not even a threat, but that doesn't matter. But those people coming in, they don't have to have anything. They don't have to have a test. They don't have to have a passport. They don't have to have anything. Looting, stealing, lawlessness, plunder, and destruction. That is the name of the game to get control. Because out of the crisis, that's what they always do. Remember that. Should it even be a question that when the control is slipping in one way, they'll take control in another? Because one way or the other, they want to get this country locked down. And I recently talked about this. There is nothing that is a coincidence. If 2021 and 2020 were the years of coincidence, 2022 is going to be the year of fireworks. And as I'm sitting here recording this and people are outside setting off fireworks, I've had to do several edits to this podcast while I'm working on it. If people are out there setting off fireworks, they're soon going to know what fireworks truly sound like when there's gunfire. Just saying. Moving on. He said they will butcher everything that moves or is in range for maximum effect and to get control as quickly as possible. If you're standing out in your front yard fixing to protest and you see your neighbors gunned down, you're going to shut up pretty quick. Am I right? That's what he's talking about. And then he said, you know, after that, on top of that, we're going to have the demonic is going to rise up at the same time to make it worse. And, you know, we're probably going to experience that with that one word that the Lord gave us about. We're going to see things we've never seen before or see things that are really terrifying, you know, of, the, of a demonic nature, of a spiritual nature. Okay, now I'm going to tell you all about one more thing. This happened yesterday afternoon. I was just sitting there just, you know, working on some stuff, looking at some stuff on the computer. I don't remember exactly what I was looking at, but it was nothing related. I was not praying, and this came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, I couldn't breathe, and I was like, oh. You know, and, and I was trying to get my breath, and I started seeing in the Spirit. Here's what I got. I had been, you know, all I've prayed about for days is this thing with Russia. And what I got was gas thick in the air. I can't breathe. There are bodies lying everywhere. It creates an acid taste in the mouth. The air is not clear. Chaos. People are panicking, and for good reason. We have been attacked, I hear. Chemical warfare. Get into your houses and await further instructions. I feel a terrible dread in my spirit about this. I typed this up right after, the, right after the vision happened. I feel a terrible dread in my spirit about this. Women are on their knees screaming over their dead children. Sirens are blaring everywhere. Planes. I heard a lot of planes flying overhead. I didn't know whose planes they were. I didn't look up. I, had, I felt utter chaos in this feeling of being trapped. I kept feeling trapped. It began burning my throat and my lungs, and when I began gagging and choking, then I snapped out of it. The vision stopped. I knew that I was in American City. I knew there was a schoolyard not too far from where I was, so it may have been the center of a city or something like that. There were buildings all around me. I was not in the countryside. 
I knew that it was terrorist related or was being blamed on terrorists. I am not sure it was actually done by terrorists. And I felt trapped again. Where do you go when there's no clean air to breathe? That, I'm sure that's where the, the trap feeling came from. My daughter, tell my people this attack is coming. It is coming in the Midwest and it will happen soon. Many lives will be lost. The enemy will gain many souls this day because they are not watching and praying and it takes them suddenly. Many will lose faith in me this day because of lost loved ones in the attack. Tell them. I did some research on chemical warfare because I know zilch about it. And I found a couple of things. One, there's a, a gas called phosgen that is just deadly. But another thing, one that's very popular that can be dropped from planes is mustard gas. And apparently when Saddam Hussein attacked the Kurds, he used something similar, but he mixed it with something that killed them. Mustard gas doesn't kill you right away. Uh, mustard gas usually kills you by pneumonia because the inside of your lungs get covered with blisters, your throat, everything's all blistered, your skin blisters, and so it sets up pneumonia. But if you mix something really deadly with it, then it could, of course, kill you. Mustard gas usually takes a few days to kill. So that's what I wanted to share with you. I hope that this is helpful to y'all. Please, please remember what I said. Please, don't let the sun go down on your anger tonight. Make the wrongs right. Apologize to people that you've offended, even if what happened was not your fault. Apologize anyway. Humble yourself and apologize because God will be pleased and he will bless you. And if you don't, that's going to be, you know, it's going to be like blood on your hands if you don't, if you don't do what you're supposed to do. Tell the people that you love that you love them. Do whatever you're going to do for God. Do it now. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't wait because we're out of time. I really think we're out of time, y'all. And I don't know, this thing could take five, ten years to play out, but the urgency in my spirit's not saying that. I'm not willing to take a chance. I'm going to do all of these things. And like I said, you can hear the entire clip up on YouTube without me pausing it to make commentary. I'll post the link to it on my blog for this podcast when I post it. But you hear the urgent tone of the message, and that's the reason I chose to play it. The takeaway from that clip, even though it was in 2016, is that we should have integrity in the way we are living. You know, apologize when you're wrong. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't say, well, I'm this way, and then, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm going to, I have too much pride to admit when I've done something wrong. We should be walking righteously, doing what you're supposed to do, just like Glenda just mentioned, when it comes to doing whatever you're going to do for God. This message was fitting given the urgency I felt in my spirit like I was talking about just before I played this clip. I had heard it a long time ago, but I didn't remember it until I played it again when our mutual friend uh, Rover Radar uh, mentioned it. And, you know, after I listened to it, I went into prayer to seek the Lord on whether or not this was actually the confirmation on what I was getting in the spirit to start interceding. Because of the intercession pulling and feeling it had to do with war before I listened to that clip, I asked the Lord why so many are willfully choosing not to listen. I mean, guys, I was urgently seeking him to understand what he wanted to show me and what he wanted me to say in regard to the podcast I was to do next because he had already given me Ezekiel chapter 8 and chapter 9 to study ahead of Christmas Eve. But 
The Lord replied to me, I have told you before, my son, they will not hear because they have chosen their idols over me. Now, when we look at Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 8, it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the room of his idols? For they say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. When you go on and read Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 9, it says, Then he said to me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of bloodshed and the city full of perversity. For they say, The Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. You know, when I reflected on those verses, I said, Oh Lord, this is not normal at all. He said to me, To you it does not seem normal, but understand it is already decreed, as they have refused me. And in reference to the Lord's response, we take a look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now you've all heard the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. But when a person doesn't have integrity, it shows what's truly in their heart. So like I was saying earlier, though one may seem to be a believer on the outside, that's not always the case. For there are many hypocrites and the Lord knows exactly who they are. That's why Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits, because that is what is truly in their heart. And to make sure I was understanding the Lord's response, I asked him who they are. And at first there was silence. So I just quietly reflected for a moment and I felt in the spirit that I already knew the answer, but I was still seeking confirmation. His response was, those in unbelief who believe I will not do as I say. There will be recompense for rebellion. And you know, that goes hand in hand with what I said about hypocrisy and the mockers and scoffers. And you know, the Lord's response when he said those in unbelief who believe I will not do as I say, there will be recompense for rebellion. You know, this is biblical, folks, because when we take a look at Isaiah chapter 29, verse 15, it says, Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. They say, who sees us and who knows us? Psalm chapter 94, verse 7 says, the Lord isn't looking, they say. And besides, the God of Israel doesn't care. You know, in other words, people think they can keep mocking God and scoffing at those he has sent forth to warn. They don't look to him. They look to their idols for comfort. They believe they do not need God, that they don't need a savior, or if they claim they belong to him, that they can just keep doing whatever, thinking that he's just going to look the other way and doesn't see the mockery. That is a false assumption. He does see it. So if you're sitting there laughing, thinking, oh, whatever, that's ridiculous. No, he sees you. And he knows you just mocked me right there. The idolatry is a big problem. And this has been revealed to me several times, which is why I have spoken on it many times before. How many of you go on about your day, but don't even think about giving thanks for the blessings you do have? I mean, are you aware the Lord could remove them at any time? The Lord is not pleased with those who willingly continue to ignore him after they have been witness to about the sins of hypocrisy, idolatry, mockery, and the many, many others I have mentioned previously. If you put everything else first and put Jesus last in your life, that is a problem. 
Idols cannot save you, and if you continue to ignore the Lord's warnings, he will hand you over to your sin, especially if you have made that wickedness your idol. Romans chapter 1, verses 27 through 32 say, Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, jealousy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing, that's the mocking and scoffing, the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. That is those who are complacent and go along with that lifestyle. So somebody might say, well, don't judge that person. They're a Christian. Yeah, their daughter is practicing homosexuality, but you know, you got to love them. You know, you need to teach them that they can be healed by the blood of Jesus if they're a Christian. You don't go along with it because otherwise you're just as guilty for doing it. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 24 through 33 say, Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded, because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm, and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Now, you'll note verse 31 there as it relates to what I just quoted from Romans chapter 1, verse 32. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. So when the Lord says, those who believe, he will not do as he says and continue to mock him, the word is very clear on what he'll do. You know, simply put, the Lord has called on many to turn from their idolatry, as well as their other sins, and has been scoffed at, even as the rebuking of these has increased. This is why judgment will come. For some, it's going to be the only way he can get their attention. You know, that dream I shared earlier about the slanted roadway was about folks continuing not to listen despite how obvious the times are, and the perilous times upon us. That's what the word undiscerning means in Romans 1 verse 32. In other words, those who hear the Lord's warning but choose to be willfully ignorant, or just dismiss it and scoff. That is those allowing the day to catch them unaware and not heeding the call to repentance. The Lord isn't just angry about the idols, but also the sin of unbelief, which I have talked about before. But, you know, according to the messages he has given me, there are still many straddling the fence, not taking the warning seriously. Many still think there is a lot of time or that happy days will come once again. Those are false beliefs. The Lord has made it very clear where things are, and he has revealed that those who hear this message will remember this message. 
I'm going to share a message titled, Why Do You Not Listen?, which I posted on my blog back in April of last year. Now, I haven't posted that message since it initially went up, but I felt it was pertinent for this podcast, given the times as they are now and what he revealed to me on Christmas Eve in regards to those going their own way. I received this message on April 2nd, 2021. Oh, my people, the enemy seeks to destroy you, but you continue to look to the comforts you know. Have I not sent my watchmen forth to warn you? Why do you continue to seek out worldly solutions in search of peace? Do you believe your idols can protect you? Do you not discern the times? Have I not provided you understanding by sending the watchmen to witness and prepare you? Do I not give you these parables in my word? Have I shown you not the earth changes and the signs? You continue to scoff at those I have sent before you to warn, believing these events are for a later time. Many of my children I desire to save possess a heart of indifference. You continue to attempt discouragement through complacency. Shall I not recompense consequence for this? Those I send to warn will not stop, for I have sent them forth out of my love for you. My children, I plead with you to draw near to me, for only I can provide the provisions and protections you seek. Study my word, for it shall give you wisdom, and I shall speak to you. As your leaders continue to pass laws in the name of peace, they plan destruction counting on your apathy. That means those who do not care and they're indifferent. The ones who scoff. Or put it off and say, well, I don't want to, you know, if I, if, if I change, I'll, you know, oh, well, I don't want a conviction because that means I have to repent. I have to change and I can't do what I want anymore. I digress, you know, going on with what the Lord said. A day comes, you will no longer be able to work. Goods will perish. Famine and disease will rule the day. Behold, a great war has begun. Do you not see? A great shaking has begun. An army is coming to do the enemy's will scattering my people throughout the land. Do you not see this migration now? Have I not shown the meaning of my words in what you have witnessed before your very eyes? Why do you continue to look the opposite way when I have told you that I have overcome the world? Why such unbelief? I desire none shall perish, only to turn from their sin. What will you do when you are separated from your family and cannot provide, when your comfort and security is removed from you? Repent. For the day of destruction draweth nigh, a great deception presents. O my people, why do you pretend to hear when you won't listen? Why do you pretend to see when you are deceived by leaning into thine own understanding? Seek me, and I will set your ways forth in what is to come. Seek me in all thy ways, and I shall give you peace and solace. You will have understanding in how to contend with the indignation upon you. And as with the other messages and the video I played earlier, I will be linking to the original post. But, you know, folks, do you see? Do you see what he's trying to say there? The message I just read, along with the words I shared from Christmas Eve, are his pleading for you to return to him. It is a pleading to turn away from what is wrong and get right with him. If people understood the urgency behind these messages, they would not be playing around. But unfortunately... There are going to be many who perish because they continue in their unbelief. They continue to mock and scoff. They continue to live in denial that they do no wrong, even as sudden destruction is on the horizon. I mean, to that point, I quote 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 2 through 4. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, 
so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You know, to somebody sitting out there on a fence, don't you realize how much Jesus loves you? Don't you realize how much he cares for you and how patient he is for your sake? For the sake of your salvation? For your eternity? You know, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Think on that for a moment. Who do you know that will give up their child for a sacrifice that loves others that much? That is the true definition of love right there. And yet many people out there mock Jesus all the time. I have felt that love. I have felt it in my spirit when I'm down, when I'm upset about something. When I'm treated unjustly, it has been the Lord's love that has surrounded me and rescued me from whatever trials I'm going through. Romans chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live lives of wickedness. That's what I've been talking about this whole podcast, however which way I can communicate it. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord has always, and continues to this day, to send forth his messengers. Those called to prophesy, you know, those called to appeal to his sheep, to get their act together. That's what the Lord is asking his people to do that this message is intended for today. Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse 19 says, Yet the Lord sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not listen. The people would not listen. So whether you believe this message today or not, and whether you choose to scoff at it or not, that's up to you. And if you do, it will fall back on you. You can point the finger at everyone else and think it doesn't apply to you at all, all the things I've said. But it doesn't change the fact that the Lord is appealing to you. You will remember this message. You will remember you were told. I mean, you have a choice here. So what do you do? Well, you start by calling on our Lord Jesus and confessing your sin to him and repenting. He will hear you if you are sincere and really have a conviction to get right with him. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, that verse from 1 John chapter 1 is not just in the word to look good. It's a promise to all who call on the name of Jesus. Many say that the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible, but I feel in my heart it is okay to say to those who have been going in the wrong direction. I mean, when I first discovered that I was in a wilderness... I said it when I had conviction, and it was the first prayer to establish me on the right path at the time. It goes like this for those of you who would like to say it. And by the way, even if you are already saved, it cannot hurt if you have been recently in sin. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, 
and that I often fall short of the glory of God. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I'm ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you for your forgiveness of sins and for giving me the gift of eternal life. I invite Jesus to come into my heart, create within me a new heart, and be my Savior. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. There's also another prayer that you can say for forgiveness. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and there's nothing I can do to save myself, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I can be saved. I confess my complete helplessness to forgive my own sin. At this moment, I trust Christ alone as the one who bore my sin when he died on the cross. He did all that will ever be necessary for me to stand in your holy presence. Jesus is Lord and the gift of God. Because of your grace, I'm born again. I'm grateful that you've promised to receive me despite my many sins and failures. Father, I take you at your word. I thank you that I can face death now that you're my Savior. Thank you for the assurance that you'll walk with me through the deep valley. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I really hope that those who are meant to hear this today are hearing this, but for the unbelieving, well, your day of reckoning quickly approaches. I mean, I've quoted Romans chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, and many, many others throughout the show today. I appeal to those of you experiencing conviction. Don't let it apply to you, for Acts chapter 13 verses 38 through 41 say, Brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man Jesus there is a forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. For they said, Look, you mockers, be amazed and die. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. You know, in closing, folks, be about integrity. Be about the Lord's business, quickly hurrying the day along while you still can in accordance to Second Peter chapter 3. Be about doing the right thing, because you will give answer for it. Don't think that you won't be tested on the points I have made today if you are without integrity. Nobody escapes. These words today apply for all of us. I share this message in the hope and prayer that it gets through to those who are more hard-headed about it. We're running out of time, folks. Don't put off what you can do today, for the word says, when you hear his calling, do not harden your heart. Do not be one of those on the slanted roadway being a willing participant in your own destruction. Because once it's too late, it's too late. You know, that's why I've said before, and I will say it again, just as Jesus told us in Luke chapter 21, verses 34. And as you heard me quote earlier from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and that is to not let the day catch you unaware, for it comes suddenly. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, as we head into 2022, that our hope should not be in the world itself, as said in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, 
but are from this world. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all I have for you this week. I pray that this podcast has been a blessing to you and that you heed the word that the Lord is saying accordingly going forward. Stay vigilant for your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whomever he may devour, but that does not have to be you. It's what you choose, guys, so keep your eye on the Lord and bear good fruit. Be about his will and his ways. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Read your Bible. Get to know him. It is his will for you to do what is right, to do that which holds integrity and have a relationship with him, not the opposite. Jesus bless you. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stay safe out there, everyone.